beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. It's been a while since we've had a single prompt episode, just one idea to meditate on throughout the week. But this concept that we're going to talk about today, about the voices that live rent-free in our heads, it has been personally nagging at me for months. And so I wanted to bring it here and explore how we let voices other than our own affect our choices, our words, and our lives. I think a lot of us relate to this concept on some level. All of us have been influenced by the praise or the critical words that are aimed our way by a parent, a teacher, a friend, a lover, even a stranger. There are things that really get in our heads that can be really hard to get out But I honestly thought that as I got older, I thought most of this would all fade a bit. I thought that when I turned 40, that I was really rounding a corner (laughs) in terms of caring less about what people thought of me and my choices, and that I was shedding some of those old words and those old hurts that would rear their ugly heads and make me second guess myself. And for the most part, it was true. I do think that there was a shift in my late 30s and early 40s where I did start to care less about what others thought of me in general, like where I started to get a lot more comfortable in my own skin. After kind of a decade of upheaval, for me, my 30s were hard. But that shift for me was mainly about shrugging off the opinions of like strangers, like people on the internet, 
society at large. It was a real mindset change, but it was also kind of philosophical, like no longer caring about being popular or no longer caring about people pleasing. It was a general shift in my overall confidence and like how I walked into a room and honestly just sort of settling into my own life choices. This family I'd created, this career I was pursuing, what I believed or how I voted. It felt like, and it still sort of feels like, a developmental change (laughs) when I turned 40. You know how we all sort of understand what toddlers are like and then what preteens are like and then what 21-year-olds are like. That is what turning 40 felt like to me. This is just a normal part of modern human development and no one ever really totally expects to fall into these cliches, these markers, and yet here we all are saying a lot of the same things that those who have come before us have said, like 40 is the new 30. We're coming into our own. We're facing our own mortality. We're finally seizing some of our inner power after a season of being stomped down. And that was all well and good and true. I was glad I went through that a few years ago when I turned 40. And yet, there are still some voices that are really hard to silence. They are the voices that whisper old narratives to us that are just really hard to break. Someone who told us long ago that we weren't smart enough or pretty enough or who did we think we were. Someone who led us to believe that we were weak or we were lame or we were not funny or we were incapable of handling things on our own. And we know, we know that the words aren't true or that the person who said them is a tiny little person or that their opinion is invalid or maybe the person that said that to us is even dead. But those words, those impressions, they rattle around in our brains anyway. We can try to talk ourselves out of them, but they have been around for a long time. And one of the reasons that they stick is because we're worried that they're true. And maybe they were true at some point. Maybe when those words were first uttered to us, we were weak, or we made a dumb choice, or we were socially awkward, or we had failed at something so spectacularly that we took that failure on as part of our identity. And when it was reinforced by someone else, this person that now comes back to whisper in our ears with their old words in our head, that has all just solidified a narrative about ourselves that we really struggle to change. Now I'm focusing on critical words for this episode because I think those are the ones that do the most damage. They're the voices in our heads that we need to work on muting. But there is something to be said for letting the positive words that have been spoken over us paint a narrative too. That as you're thinking about these words that have had such an impact, that you are also remembering who told you that you were great, that you were so talented or so smart or so pretty. And instead of dismissing those voices, as we so often do, that we choose to believe those voices, those words. Not because we believe all praise and we 
mute all criticism, but because this is an exercise in noticing the ideas about ourselves that have shaped us and balancing that with the truth that we believe about ourselves. So I think there are five types of people who often live rent-free in our head. Starting in childhood, all the way up to present day, however old we are, there are five types of people who hold the power of words that get stuck in our psyche. The five types are family member, authority figure, friend or lover, community member, and stranger on the internet, or just stranger in general, I guess. Let's talk briefly about each one, and then we'll talk about muting the ones that are taking up way too much space in our minds. As I talk about these five, I want you to see if you have an answer for each one. See if anything springs to mind, since what we're doing today and this week is we're noticing these patterns. Some of them are so old that we might not even attribute them to an outside source. We might think it is our own inner critic, but I guarantee you that a lot of our own self-criticism, it has roots in something really old. So the first and probably the most common one is the family member. You know, as I was writing this and journaling through this for myself, I almost just put simply a parent or a guardian here in this place, because that's the first thing that comes to my mind when we talk about an inner critic, I think. It's the voice of a critical parent or a grandparent, the person who was meant to care for us, but often became an unwelcome nag in our mind when the words that they were saying didn't align with who we are or what we wanted. And of course, even more so because when we're young, the voices that we're most familiar with are the voices of our caregivers. So it's natural that those voices and words are the ones that we latch onto the most. But then as I was thinking this through and I was just writing to myself about our earliest influences, I realized that other family members can also fall into this category, siblings especially. Now, I'm the youngest in my family by a lot, by many years, and so it's not that my siblings' words carry the same amount of weight as my parents' words did in my childhood, but they were still very influential to how I saw myself growing up. That picture was very much painted for me by my immediate family, for better or worse. And so that's why this category is simply family member, be it a parent or a sibling or or someone that lived in your home, most likely. Because our family members do tell us who we are in the beginning. That can be a good thing. It can give us a sense of belonging, which is so crucial. It can be a reflection of pieces that are our early identity, like our region of the world or our belief system, our preferences, from everything, from like food to music. Our early life often has people audibly telling us who we are, which only becomes a problematic voice in our head later when we want to change. And we all change. I mean, hopefully. The world changes. We age. We realize we don't really like some parts of who we are that maybe we were indoctrinated into. Now, look, a lot of us stretch against the confines of our family culture when we're teenagers and beyond. Like, if you grew up in a mustard family but find you just really prefer ketchup, it, well, okay. I mean, perhaps it becomes 
a family joke that you're the ketchup person in the mustard family. And perhaps it just feels good to have made your own condiment choices. But when the stakes get higher, and they so often get higher, it is really hard to fight against a family member voice in your head telling you who you are and who you are not. You cannot shake that parent voice that gets stuck in your head when your life looks different than theirs. You cannot fully mute that sibling voice in your head that wants to keep you in your place as the oldest or the youngest or the middle. The family voices in our head are the hardest to disentangle from. But actually, weirdly, for me, some of the hardest voices to shake as an adult have come from the next category of people who live rent-free in my mind, and that's the voice of some type of authority. So this might be a teacher or a coach or a pastor or a boss, someone who had sway over you and was monitoring your performance. In this case, your performance might have even been a reflection of them as your teacher or your coach or your boss. And so they pushed you to be better, which can be a good thing, or they motivated with criticism or with threats, which can be a bad thing. I've shared before that I had a teacher in high school who told me that I didn't belong in the honors classes. Now, this was, when he said it, this was a contradiction to my actual literal test scores and also every other amazing teacher that I had that was encouraging, but his words, not that he was like concerned or that I needed to step it up or any other ways that he could have couched that conversation about my performance in his class. His words, by using that exact phrase that I don't belong here, it made such an impression on the rest of my high school educational path. I know that that feels like a really ridiculous bar that one teacher's one sentence could have had such an effect. And now that I am an adult with kids that I say all kinds of things to, I do worry about this exact scenario that I'm going to say one sentence that is going to change everything. But the truth is that this teacher's one sentence did have that kind of an impact on me. And that is what this whole episode is about, that we all have these words that rattle around in us that we wish we could squash. As an adult, I think I have more grace for that teacher than I used to, although I still think it was a cruel and thoughtless thing to say to a teenager. But in this case, it's less about him as a human and more about what it did to me, noticing that I still have an insecurity about whether or not I belong in life's honors classes. Look, you simply cannot go through life without being criticized by an authority figure. I know that. It's going to happen. It can be character shaping. But when you allow someone else's assessment to hold you back, in my story, what happened was I decided suddenly that I wasn't academic. And like I said, one conversation changed some of my educational choices over the next few years after that. It is those words that we really can't give a microphone to. 
with sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. The next category of people that we let live rent-free in our heads are friends and lovers. Why are they the same category when those relationships are clearly not the same? Well, basically, it's because they are both relationships where we feel presumably known, loved and known in the best case scenario with our friends and our lovers. And so unlike with our family, where there's like, a tribal element to our identities, or like the authority figure where there's a vested interest in our performance. With friends and lovers, we are in an optional relationship where, hopefully, we like one another, which makes critical words sting in an entirely different way. I'm sure that all of us have a story or 10 stories about a friend saying something a little sideways to us. But that is different than when we let someone's words take up too much space in our head or our heart, things that we carry with us for decades. So here's what I mean by an example. Maybe when we were younger, our friend group of girls used to talk behind one another's backs because young girls can be hard in this very particular way. And some of those conversations that we overheard or even participated in ourselves, they don't fade lightly. Examples that I'm thinking of here might be the way that someone looks or talking about the way that someone acts. And so then we get it in our head that to dress or to act in a certain way is tacky, let's say, or attention getting or something like that. And so then decades later, we are still hesitant to, I don't know, show some cleavage or talk too much at dinner. We have let the voices of the teenage girls from our most formative years, stay whispering in there. Stay judging, excluding. We might not be able to like draw a straight line back to Amy in high school and the things that she said. It might be more of an idea. Or maybe we can draw that exact line for how we are now that is rooted in something that happened then. I've spoken a few times over the years that when I started my original mommy blog, the thing that opened every door for me to become a writer and a podcaster and to do all the work that I love doing today, it started with a blog 
And it also started with a lot of judgment from people that I called friends. Back then, blogs were lame. I wasn't a real writer. They had, quote, secondhand embarrassment for me and what I was sharing on the internet. Some of those words were meant for my ears, like I heard them straight out. And some of those words I heard through the grapevine or I stumbled upon accidentally. But I was full blown in my 30s when that happened. Like I was not a child and it hurt. It hurt and it cut me down to size enough that I really reined in for a while what I was writing on the blog. And I didn't really let myself be my full self online for a long time because I had those words from those people living rent-free in my head, telling me that everything I did online was dumb. Long after those friendships faded, those words lingered. And then in this same category, we have lovers, exes, currents, people who love us or used to love us, people with whom we share an intimacy, which means, of course, that we probably know their unfiltered thoughts on some things. It might not even be about us specifically, these words that rattle around in our head, but it might just be a point of view that has stuck with us that we can't shake. So here's a silly example. What if you had or have a partner who hates country music, just hates it, thinks it's all hicks and formulaic and sad songs and Since, you know, maybe we didn't feel one way or another about country music, we didn't care that that was their very strong opinion. But then lo and behold, if we do not hear a country music song or two, and we kind of like it, but we don't really let ourselves pursue it because country music is for hicks, right? Like that's been drilled into our brain for a long time. Only certain types of people like country music and You know, we don't consider ourselves that type of person. So we switch the station, cutting off like a whole genre of music that maybe could have been a source of joy. I suppose I don't really need to spell out that sometimes these little voices in our head are whispering to us about things more important than country music and our music choices in general. I trust that we are all doing our best, those of us who listen to this show, our community here, I think we're all doing our best to become our best selves. And we have moved past the point where we care about like what's cool or not, except sometimes there's still those little voices that we can't shake. The worry that that voice from the past, that friend, that old lover, will see who we have become, like a blogger, a country music fan. And those people from back then will heap judgment on us. And we worry that we're not strong enough to endure it. So instead, we stay quiet or small, or we don't express a newly held opinion or pursue a new fun venture because we don't think that we can take the added pressure of someone being like, wow, you've changed. The other type of person who doesn't want us to change, who lives rent-free in our head and can be really hard to turn the volume down on, is someone from our community. Whatever community that is, 
nationalism, regionalism, a church, a sports team, a school, a political party, a neighborhood. This all goes back to what I talked about earlier in our desire for belonging and identity. And there are often seasons in our life where we love these community voices and we purposefully turn them up the loudest. We feel like we're a part of something. We feel righteous about the thing that we're a part of. This can be fun. It can be meaningful and can be a great part of life to not only let those voices be in your head, but for us to also be a part of the chorus until we're not anymore, until we are off key in that community song. But the depth or the duration of however long you were a part of that community, it will contribute to how long it takes to turn the volume down on that particular song. Well, there's lots of music metaphors in this episode. Who knew? It can be so painful. All of these things can be so painful if the words and ideas that rattle around in your head no longer serve you. It can take like a whole half a lifetime to untangle the voices that spoke into your life when you were part of a community that you are no longer a part of. I felt this way when I left Oklahoma in 2001, when I left the church in 2003-ish, when I left a political party in 2016. I still feel this way about friend groups that I was a part of that I am no longer a part of. Like, try living a life fairly publicly on the internet and also writing a book about friendship when you have the ghosts of your past selves and your past friends whispering in your ear that you're a fraud. It takes a really deep and concerted effort for me sometimes to quiet down the noise of all the influences over the course of my life, to hear, to really hear what my own small voice is saying. This one is really hard, the community voices that live rent-free in our head. But speaking of the internet, that is the last category of people that live in our head rent-free, strangers on the internet. This is different from every other category because it is not relational. We are not worried about what someone specifically is going to think about us or how any differences between us might affect our relationship because there is no relationship. We're just talking about strangers, mostly on the internet, but probably also just strangers in life. The strangers on the internet live rent-free in our mind in an entirely different way. If you have ever waded into a Facebook comments fight and you have just been pounded to death or you have been the one doing the pounding, you know that it can leave virtual scars. If you've ever hesitated to post or share or ask a question online because you've seen how quickly those keyboard pitchforks can come out, then you know what I'm talking about. Maybe someone said something online, like aimed directly at you, or just they said a general statement or thought, and that flashes through your mind every time you're just about to, you know, whatever it is. They have affected the way that you move through the world. And try as you might to logically talk yourself out of being influenced by a total stranger, it is still something that you cannot shake. Because look, we don't live in vacuums. No one can escape being influenced. 
And it's human nature that some of these statements over a lifetime are going to stick with us. When it becomes a problem is when it impedes your growth or your ability to step into the next version of yourself. When it's hard to move forward or separate out your own thoughts from those of your family or community or online echo chamber, it happens to all of us. So how do we stop it? Or at least how do we turn the volume down on all of these voices? Well, first things first, you have to notice that it's happening at all. If you notice a self-critical thought this week, or you yourself are the critical one to a family member or a coworker or something, notice that it comes from somewhere and then call it out. Say it out loud. Tell someone or put it in your journal that, hey, these are words or this is an idea that has been rattling around in my brain for such a long time. I'm sorry I spoke sharply. I'm sorry I didn't take action because I froze in insecurity. I am working on shedding some of those voices from my past. Say it. Say it out loud or write it down. And then you know what I'm going to say next because it is the drum I beat all the time. You got to sit in silence with yourself. You've got to be intentional about noticing what you really want and what you really think. One of the things that I've noticed in myself over the last several years is that I just don't let a thought come to its natural conclusion. Like I do not think thoughts all the way through all the time I do this. Maybe it's because I'm too busy. Maybe it's because I have too many thoughts happening in my head. More likely, if I start to have an uncomfortable thought, something that challenges my own belief system or something like that, I will just push that thought away. Like hard thoughts, I do not have time for. I would rather return to my to-do list than think a hard thought all the way through. I just tell myself that I'll think about it later. Listener, I will not think about it later. I will bury it so hard. (laughs) I will just put it as far in the ground as I can get it. So one of the things that I've been doing in my own sort of times of silence lately is that I have been letting myself think a thought all the way through. I know, revelatory. Here's an example. Let's say I'm in a meeting and I start to think, you know, I do not like this person across the table from me. Now, if I have that thought, I almost immediately push it away or I argue with myself like, I mean, why would you not like them? They are perfectly fine. Or I would think, You're stuck in this meeting. There is no sense in deciding that you don't like them right now. I mean, they're here. You're here. Or I would think, wow, how unkind to think something ugly about this person. They haven't done anything to you. Aren't you supposed to be a better person than that? Love and light, highest self and everything. I will really talk myself out of having a negative thought. Now, instead, as I've been working on this, I will follow the thread all the way through to a conclusion, or at least a semi-conclusion. I will think, for example, weird, why am I thinking that? Well, honestly, it kind of bugged me the way that this person in this meeting said this or that. And then I will keep thinking it through. Can I forgive them? Do I need to just note it? I will let myself continue this line of thinking instead of when it gets hard or complicated or sticky or uncomfortable 
I don't shove it under the carpet. I actually think about it. It sounds, it sounds really dumb when I say it out loud, but I wonder if anyone else can relate that we just have so much distraction all the time that we do not let ourselves think thoughts all the way through. It is just chaos in here, sentence fragments, half thoughts all the time. When you start noticing how many of your own thoughts that you push aside in favor of whatever you're supposed to think or just not thinking about them at all, you will be blown away. It is shocking, actually, what words and ideas live outside of ourselves and that when we tune into our own actual voice and thoughts, like you're tuning a radio, tuning into our own private channel instead of like the oldies station full of familiar tunes that has lots of talking heads and lots of ads and lots of chaos. When we turn that channel off and we tune to just ourself, how peaceful it is, how quiet, how our core self really shows up when we make an effort to dim everything else out. And the more that you do this, the more muted other voices become. But it takes daily work, at least it does for me, because in this episode, we mostly talked a lot about critical voices or those words that have been hurtful or defining. But the noise isn't all damaging. Sometimes noise is just noise. It is well-meaning advice. It is too much scrolling. The need that we all have these days to have on the TV in the background or the music in the background or a podcast or an audiobook, we have it playing at all times. When if we silenced some of these noises coming into our ears, these actual literal voices, people talking coming into our ears, yes, even as I'm doing it right now, what would we hear? Ourselves. We would hear ourselves. And it would bring a clarity that you just cannot get with all this chattering from our past, from our phones, from our communities, from the people and the world who have been telling us our whole lives who we are. Because only we know. Only we really get to say. It's just that we can't decide who we are today if we don't stop down and listen. Listen for the voices that live rent-free so that you can adjust their volume. And listen for our own voice, who's actually sort of soft-spoken, but firm and certain and dead on. The prompt this week is, who lives rent-free in your head? I would love it if you would take this prompt to a friend or to your journal and say out loud the answer. That your mom's voice lives in your head, your college coach, your first boyfriend, the worst boss you ever had. Tell them, or if you're journaling, tell yourself who exactly pops up in your head and what they're saying, like the exact sentences that they're saying. Call it out with specifics. That is the only way that you can control that volume. At 44 years old, I thought I would be like an expert at listening only to my own inner voice. And I thought I would be a master at tuning out the noise. I really did think that. Alas, my head and heart are often way, way too loud and chaotic. And so we are working on it together, me and you. You know that I do these episodes for myself as well as for you. I'm constantly exploring things here on the show that I need to be exploring for myself. I hope that this prompt spoke to you today. I wish you nothing 
but the sound of your own inner voice. Thanks for listening, friends. Now go share something. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening. 